You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, Grump. Greetings from beautiful Bend, Oregon, where uh, at Sidelines Bar Saturday Sunday, I was able to watch the Giant game, another Giant victory, two and two. How about that? I got to say, you know, back in the New York groove here, this is the first time in a long time where I could comfortably leave this game a little bit early. And, you know, a little bit early as in, like, two minutes. You know, two minutes left in the fourth. Um, I'm not one of those big early-time beat-the-rush guys, but, you know, at a certain point, not really worth sticking around to see some kneel downs. What was the crowd reaction like when the game first started and he came out onto the field for the first time? Because I was watching on TV, no sound, of course, because... Uh. I was in the corner, and in the New England game was more important. So, what well, was it like when being there? Well, I'll give you I'll give you two things here. Um, I have to say, of every Giants game I've been to since what 2010, nine, we've been going together. About since like 2009, 10 in that area. Yeah, this was the first division game where I really didn't see a whole lot of visiting fans. Now, mm. granted, this was a a, a nice day. There's, you know, hope for this franchise, etc. It's early in the season, so even though we're one and two, you know that the, the two losses can be written off. And I understand that Washington's only three, but it's still early. It's still a division game, and I got to tell you, it might have been ninety percent Giants fans, ten percent Redskins fans. It's the biggest divisional game uh, imbalance that I've seen there in a long time. Um, and I think, and I think, just in general, you're going to see that because Dallas has so many national fans, and Philly is just right down the turnpike. You know, Washington, it's, it's a bit of a hike to get there. And right, they've been. This is the time of the season where, you know, you make your decisions when you're going early on. You know, it's just like Giant fans are going to buy their tickets early. They're going to get tickets on stuff up before the season starts because they know, oh, it's still early in the year. When you get to those November, December games and you're three and nine or something, it's like, I'm not wasting my time. More tickets are available. Diehards, Redskin fans who live maybe further south, but not too far. This may be their only opportunity to go and see them. So I could see why that was like that. But uh, I definitely think there's some, the Daniel Jones thing and the win last week, there's some renewed enthusiasm in this franchise. Um, I can also tell you that I was. I was late to my seats, but not. I, I mean, I. It was a whole thing. I was meeting up with somebody. It was an acquaintance, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I was walking to my seats when Daniel Jones came out, and there was a roar, a very loud roar, for him. And you know, rewatching the broadcast does not do it any justice. It was, it was loud, just for him to come out there. Um. It, you know, he was very much welcomed here. Well, he should be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of Giant fans, well, kind of like of all, Nick fans, he, are he's fucking owed. He's owed from draft night 
all the way well, up yeah. until last week. I, I was just saying that. I go for a fan base that was, you know, with the stage hysterics of how pissed off they were with the draft pick, and then the media just blasting him personally as much as the Giants organization for drafting him to on a dime no pun intended nice job that first that first uh preseason game to on another dime after you know the performance in tampa people should look at themselves in the mirror and if they're not going to publicly apologize at least admit you know i'm going to give this guy a chance so i think part of that loud ovation was kind of an acceptance of you know we 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 we're behind you now and i think that probably was very uh very rewarding for Daniel Jones himself and somewhere, you know, in the bowels of giant stadium, David Gettleman as well. Yeah. Um, but the, but the giants trouncing the Washington Redskins 24 to three, we were both way off on our predictions. Yeah. We, we underestimated what a pathetic state the Washington Redskins franchise is. And we were both wondering if Gruden would be fired at halftime. I mean, that was that's a shameful product they put on the field. And it's really a shame because Washington should be, you know, one of the model franchises in this league. And it has really been rotted to the core. Well, to be fair, they had the worst case scenario for injury situations. I mentioned that starting center Chris Roulier, starting I would I don't know if he is all pro or not, but he's damn close. Right guard Brandon Sheriff and uh their, their best wide receiver at the moment, Terry McLaurin, all were out. They were limited in practice or did not practice. I didn't expect all three to be out. So that's a huge blow right there. Yeah, but this is more than just this this particular game. I mean, this was, you know, what I've been harping all offseason beginning of this year is we didn't want Daniel Jones playing until he was ready. Yep. And it's obvious they have no plan at quarterback. It, it seems pretty apparent that there was a – a, a division between ownership and the front office, you know, whether they wanted Dwayne Haskins or not. It's a, obviously a division on whether he should be playing now or not. Dwayne Haskins has not been prepared to come in and play at all. Um, if you're this bad of a franchise, you should make your decision, you know, right now. If you draft a guy like this, you're going to prep him from day one, play, take your lumps, or shelve him until you bring him along until he's ready. You can't go both ways. And that's exactly what they tried to do. Um, you know, there's no, there's no thinking, well, this team might be competitive, might make the playoffs. There's no iconic quarterback. You have to be kind of tiptoeing around to be sensitive to, you know, his feelings about how, how his career will end with the franchise. They just don't know what they're doing and they're not on the same page anywhere. And it's very obvious, you know, they, they have a, 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 a quarterback they have, they brought in just for you know a stopgap, who's one of the worst in the league, and it was very obvious when they made the switch to Haskins that he's not ready to play yet, and I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, I mean it's true. All those who were, were clamoring for Daniel Jones to come in at halftime, what do you got to lose? Well, that's what it looks like. There, there is nothing to gain from yeah. that. He doesn't gain any valuable insight coming in, not having fully prepped for the game. And you know, you can debate the merits or. You know, as to having first team reps and or 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 not, but the point is, is that Dwayne Haskins was not prepared to play. He was pre- the plan is uh, t- seems to be to roll with Case Keenum until Dwayne Haskins was ready or for a full year. 
Um, you know, it's unfortunate the situation that Washington's in because when they had brought in Alex Smith last year, they were rolling. And it took up until his injury for them to fall apart. But, I mean, I assume the plan was for them to draft a quarterback anyway in this coming year. And had they still had Alex Smith to lean on, they would be a very competitive team while Dwayne Haskins was, you know, getting prepared, getting acclimated to NFL speed, etc. Much the way that Patrick Holmes did behind Alex Smith. But that all fell apart. You know, Alex Smith had a gruesome, I I would assume, career-ending injury. And they had to kind of roll with Case Keenum. And it appears that the front office got impatient because Keenum was not nearly as productive as... Um, Alex Smith was but that just is what it is you know those are the cards that you're dealt when somebody gets injured trying to split the plan in half is is kind of like trying to go in two directions at once you'll just rip apart and that's kind of what we saw right in front of us and uh, you know if this is the end of Jay Gruden's time in Washington and this is sort of like a deviation from our, our larger you know point of this episode of reviewing the game, but if Jay Gruden were to be eliminated from the head coaching position with Washington, would you consider him, if, if I mean, if no other head coaching opportunities open up for him as an offensive coordinator for the Giants? Hmm. I mean, I think as long as Pat Shermer's the head coach, there's not going to be a strong offensive coordinator. I mean, Pat Shermer is, is the head coach. He makes the calls on that. Um, unless there's a situation where, you know, he's on a significant half seat and the um, ownership says you have to bring one in. Uh, so I say as long as you have this kind of structure with the coaching staff and the front office, I would say no. Okay. I mean, I, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable if Pat Schirmer could, you know, have a guy in an OC that knows what he wants to do and can be trusted to call plays while he could just be a head coach and not screw up every challenge that he tries to do it, et, et cetera. You know what I mean? Oh, I believe me. I'm, I would fully support him giving up play calling and, and having a very good offensive coordinator. And I think Gruden, you know, Gruden's kind of had some bad luck when he's there. He's had, he's had quarterbacks come in that are decent quarterbacks who get hurt and that's not his fault, but you never really can implement the offense you want when you don't have the quarterbacks that you want healthy. Um, but again, what I want to have happen and what's going to happen as long as Schumer's the head coach are two different things. It's very true. And the guy is a stubborn guy. He's That's what he wants. And it's really – it's fruitless even to think about it until – unless he gets fired or the mayor's demand he make a change. Well, yeah. I mean th- this is all just for fun thinking. This isn't a real debate. You know, obviously – Jay Gruden hasn't even been fired. Um, And in my opinion, nor should he be. He's been the most successful head coach that they have had there in some time. Uh, The broadcasts uh, went over all eight coaches they've had in the last 21 years. You know, Giants fans, as we dealt with turmoil for the last two years, just be lucky and glad that it's only been two years. It's looking like it's only going to be two years. This this seems to be the upswing for us. but this is what it looks like when a franchise is truly a mess. It's 21 years uh, of different head coaches. I mean, this is, it's a team that had how many hundreds and hundreds of consecutive sellouts. They move into a new stadium, which is even bigger, you know, sellout, sellouts. Every year they keep making the capacity smaller. 
They keep t- reducing from the upper deck, creating fun zones and party decks and all this nonsense to kind of hide the fact that the demand for tickets in it anymore. And for a city like Washington, it's unfathomable that you know they're not the the biggest game in town and getting the attention that they deserve of having. You know, for being a franchise, has been there since what 1946 or something. Yeah, really, it's one of those flagship franchises that you list along with the Giants, the Packers, the Browns. You know what I mean? They're they're as old as it is. And and with a yeah. with a staunch yeah. fan base too. Those those are those are real fans there. I mean, they may yeah. not be yeah. rabid frothing at the mouth like Cowboys and Eagles fans, but that's a, that is an old franchise with a with some lineage yeah. in their fan base. They've just been beaten down, you know, and you go back to ownership. I mean, you know, good owners are good owners and bad owners are bad owners. And uh, you know, there may be a bad hire here and there, but at the end of the day, good owners set up the culture for a team. And the culture under Daniel Snyder has been atrocious. Oh, god awful. Um yeah. well enough about them. <laughs> all right, all right. Um You know, my biggest takeaway from this game in terms of bad news, and it needs to be discussed, is Ryan Connolly confirmed today torn ACL and right knee. Um, It was one of those things that you could tell immediately. You know, he crumpled like a sack of potatoes. There wasn't really anyone around him when it happened. The cart came out within a minute of him going down to. He didn't move an inch when he went down. And it's a real shame because he managed to play himself from – Virtually unspoken of fifth round draft pick to, you know, third on the depth chart, second on the depth chart, then all of a sudden filling right in along with Al Gogletree, and I would say outplaying Al Gogletree as the best inside linebacker we had, which is remarkable. Um, and it's a shame because mm-hmm. he is listed as one of my stars for the game because right off the bat he was playing lights out. And uh, he had been playing for the last two weeks like one of our best defensive players and now he's out for a year. It's one of those things too, if you, you know, beyond just everything we talk about in the show is beyond 2019 and the future is he's setting himself up to be one of the cornerstones of a rebuilding defense. And now all of a sudden he has just lost a year of development and has to start from scratch next year. And there's a chance he may never be the same again. And it's just a, it's an unfortunate break for for him. We we've become jaded as fans as as athletes have made remarkable comebacks from ACL surgeries. It's not that long ago that an ACL surgery basically meant you were getting eighty percent of the player going forward at best. Mm-hmm. And and you know now we expect them to come back in a year and be a hundred percent. Yeah, and the tough the tough thing is you find a diamond in the rough like this, and just as quickly as you found him. You lost him, so you're one again, and it's it's very frustrating. It may end up being a um, blessing in disguise in a certain way. You know, if he had played up to you know borderline Pro Bowl levels, you know, just as a for instance, by the end of the year, the front office may have tricked themselves into thinking that inside linebacker was not a need for the off season. Um, so, you know, it may turn out to be a blessing in disguise as, you know, it it remains a need going into the offseason and hopefully they'll continue to address the position. It's been ignored just as much as the offensive line has over the years. Absolutely. That was one of the things that Reese got criticized a lot for is just 
know, again, not drafting a linebacker, not drafting a linebacker, not drafting a linebacker. So the, yeah. all the all the the sins of the previous administration are coming to roost right now, and that's why this team has to rebuild and not rebuild with quick fix free agents, but through the draft, and that takes time. So you may not see the results on the field or on the scoreboard right away. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge bust. He he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players uh, on this year's team. Definitely uh, my favorite draft pick this year because because of how low he came and how high he rose. But it just is what it is now for this team. They're going to have to figure something out. Thankfully, they have a surplus of safeties. You know, with Antoine Bethay and and Jabril Peppers and Michael Thomas, those are all guys that can rotate between the free safety and strong safety position. And all three can be on the field at the same time and kind of fill that dime position. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they rotate Lorenzo Carter in as more of an inside backer. Um, I had that conversation uh, on Twitter earlier today. You know, he's not really a dominant outside pass rusher, but he is good at blitzing. So he might fit a little bit better switching back and forth between outside and inside linebacker. So we'll see going forward how they address this this giant gap. I mean, also, Tay Davis is probably coming back from a concussion this week as well. Uh, one thing I did notice uh, during the game, a um, little funny bit, Jabril Peppers has as many touchdowns this year after four games as Odell Beckham Jr., that is kind of Same. hilarious. Yeah, you were you were the first one I saw to <laughs> to point that one out. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's kind of get into this really because, really quickly. Um, what what did we think of Landy Collins and Eric Flowers' demeanors before and after the game with their their interviews with the press, or did we not think anything of it at all? I didn't think one thing of it at all. I mean, I think the I think the Collins one is an, a little bit of an interesting one, just to see how his reaction was. I mean, I think he has every right to be kind of pissed that the Giants didn't want him anymore. I mean, that's that's a jilted lover, and he has a right to to carry a grudge against us. And I I don't have a problem with him doing that. Me either. Eric Flowers, Eric Flowers is lucky he's in this league. He really is. Yeah. Um, he's getting a, he's getting a third chance for somebody that was a supreme bust, and not only a bust, a bust that became almost a laughing stock around the league, where everybody knew him as a bust. So the fact that he's even getting a paycheck in this league, he should be thanking his lucky stars. Well, especially when you consider that he, in front of everybody, shoved a reporter in the locker room. That was oh. pretty much swept under the rug, you know. That was like a one-week story because he just continued to play badly. He managed to cover up that headline with with other headlines. Yeah. So. Well, you know that's something the league needs to address. I mean, that's a. Well, it's, uh, it's been years now. What are you I talking about? Did, it ha- did this happen happen yesterday or did this no, happen no, no, no. This when? happened like two years ago. He shoved Jordan Rain on in the locker room after. Uh, I, I guess he just didn't want to answer his questions, and he was getting annoyed, so he pushed him. I apologize. I thought there was a new incident that happened yesterday, and I didn't hear that. So, no. okay. <laughs> it's just like it's one of those things that he's managed to avoid criticism for that. You know, I mean, like you can find criticism on it, but like for instance, it didn't pop right into your head. I mean, that should be, you know, a huge mark against his character. Yeah, I mean. You know how I feel about guys from Miami, so that's not really a surprise. But. 
Let's uh, talk about somebody, though, another questionable character move that uh, takes a moment of joy and just completely ruins it for me. Go for it. I know where we're going. <laughs> My boy from formerly from the University of Florida who got thrown out of the University of Florida for smoking weed too many times, Janoris Jenkins. Um, after the beyond embarrassing performance last week against the Bucks, where he obviously just did not give full effort, comes back and has what should be, you know, a player of the week type of performance mm-hmm. as two picks. And what does he do after the first pick? Does a Ray Guy performance punt, which quite frankly, it's just something where you just know where a guy's head is, where everything is all about him. You know, be damned did it cost your team 15 yards. I don't think he was penalized. He wasn't? No. How can that not be? I have, I, you know, I was wondering the same thing because there was a flag on the play, but it was against the Redskins. And I rewatched it when I got home to, to double check that because I thought it was weird. And I have no idea how it wasn't penalized, but you're, you, your, your uh, criticism, I think, is warranted because, in my opinion, that's a penalty every time. I, I don't know how it wasn't, but. Yeah. My whole point is this is a guy that clearly is in his own head right now and is not thinking in terms of team. You know, this is the second year in a row we've openly questioned whether the guy is tapped out because the Giants are not playing well. Um, a, a guy that has a big cap number and is some, not someone who will be very easily traded off. If anybody even wants a guy who has questionable character and attitude and effort issues, uh, I don't know what we would do with a guy like this. You know, I know we're in a rebuild and he's our best cornerback when he actually gives a shit, but uh, he wouldn't be on my team. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we assume that if he stays with the Giants this whole year, that they'll just cut him at the end of the year, right? It'll be the last year of his contract. It's an easily cuttable portion of his contract for considering the dead cap hit and doing so. And then you consider. Well, I mean, it remains to be seen what happens with Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne, Julian Love, but it seems like DeAndre Baker is getting better. I, I want to talk about the corners in general. I know this is not the best game to grade them by because Case Keenum was abysmal and Dwayne Haskins was – I don't want to say he played bad, but it was very clear he wasn't prepared for this game. I'm not saying that he's not ready to be a starter. I, in my opinion, I'm not a fan of a one-year starter in college becoming a starter right away in the NFL, but it was just little things like his timing being off. You know what I mean? Like passes were the right read, the right pass, just too early, too late, too wide. It, it just looked like lack of reps. Um, so, yeah, this isn't a great game to uh, judge the corners by, but I mean, I don't even think DeAndre Baker was really tested in this game which is a compliment in itself. Most of the passes were short little dump-offs or they were mismatches. Um, mm-hmm. Janoris Jenkins, for some reason, was tested twice and both times was in excellent coverage and made interceptions. Uh, three times, actually. The other time, he caused the interception that Ryan Connolly got. So I'm going to I'm gonna knock two out in a row right here. Um, two of my stars for this game were Ryan Connolly and Janoris Jenkins. I have to put Jenkins in there just because when I looked at the numbers, I, I can't deny it. Um, he caused the first interception on the opening drive of the game by shoving his hand in there, went straight up in the air, and Ryan Connolly got it. He had two picks later on 
and I don't think he was ever beaten in coverage this week. This was a massive turnaround for him. Ryan Connolly, on the other hand, played fucking all over the place. Uh, he was in on uh, several tackles for a loss. I believe he had a sack earlier on on Case Keenum. You know, up until the injury was was playing. If you had not watched the Giants at all this year, you would assume Ryan Connolly was a third year vet that was you know a big portion of this team and probably a high one through three round draft pick, which he is not. So those were two of my stars for the game, and they came on defense. I'm going to give a star and a fart, a combination of two to Wayne Gallman. Okay. I think Wayne, I think Wayne Gallman, you know, did, did a nice job. I mean, this is a, the, the spotlight was squarely on him this week. You know, the questions instantly went from having Saquon Barkley to who are we going to get in here to be the running back. I think he did a pretty good job. I will give him a fart for the fumble, though. Yeah. You absolutely cannot fumble the ball. The only chance you're going to lose a game like this is giving the other team opportunities when they don't deserve them. And if he's going to have to be the running back on this team, this is not going to be a super pass heavy team. We're not going to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. I don't believe he's going to have to carry the rock. There's really nobody behind him who who we really trust right now. He can't fumble. So I'm going to grade this on a little bit of a harsher curve by giving him a fart for the fumble. But if we're looking for things to get through this season, can't do that. That's other good, than that, though, other than that, he did a great job. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good why point. That's a star as well. That's, a, that, that's an excellent point because Gallman was my other star for the game. And I, I wrote off the fumble because a, one fumble is going to happen. However, you're right. I, I didn't consider the fact – well, A, I, I did consider and, and shrugged off the situation where we were – for Gallman's fumble, I believe we were – about to score? I think we were we're definitely in their territory. I, believe. Yeah. I don't remember exactly where. Oh, man. Hilleman and Gallman both fumbled. One was earlier on in the drive and one was right at like the goal line. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Point is, you're right. He, he is going to have to be depended on heavily. And, you know, the nature in which he fumbled was just, you got to put two hands in the ball, man. I, I, yeah. But but I, I can't knock 18 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown, six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. I mean that's 107 total yards, 108 total that's, yards and two touchdowns. That's better productivity we've had in the last couple of weeks in the running game, and that's with having you know Saquon Barkley for a game and a half. So he he did a nice job. I mean, the backup running back right now is a practice squad guy. Him fumbling, it's just, well, that's what I expect. I have no trust in a guy like him. He's a body at this point, so he doesn't get a fart. But Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, it, That's something we're going to have to look in if we can get somebody off the scrap heap or somewhere to, to come in to be the backup running back. We're going to probably need to do that. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk a little about the play calling in this game. Okay. It seemed to me as the game went on, I think maybe after the, the Daniel Jones picks, that it got very Eli-esque the way the game was being called. I don't know if you noticed that as well. Mm-mm. A lot Did, of passes seemed like, seemed like a lot more passes were kind of at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. A lot of safe stuff, very, very safe stuff. And I thought for a couple of times, well, this is why Eli was in the game. Like, this is what he was doing. People were complaining so much about. Now I know, you know, 
Daniel Jones is in there now, and this is his time to develop and get experience and all that stuff. But I, I think after the turnovers, I definitely think that this off the uh, the coaching staff dialed it back quite a bit. And I don't know if that's necessarily to anybody's benefit to do that. This game was never in doubt from a win-loss perspective. I think Daniel Jones has to play his game. And part of the way he will learn to shake off turnovers is to keep playing his game. So I, I'm going to give a little bit of a fart, I think, to the giant coaching staff for being a little little bit into, into a shell as the game went on, sort of. Yeah, I, I didn't really notice that, but you know, you might be right there. And if that's the case, I, I'm I'm not for it. You know, I think in a game. Well, I I know you don't want to throw the game away, and he threw two picks, but the picks were not the wrong read or the wrong throw. It was just late, you know, and it and yeah. it happens. Um, and I think, especially for a guy in his position who's just learning how to play this game. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is expected. Those I don't I didn't see anybody really complaining about Daniel Jones because of those picks. They were all written off as, you know, rookie mistake. And that's fine, but that's also because we were winning the game. I think there'd be a bit of a different narrative if those turnovers were turned into points. But you know, I I'm not in favor of coddling anybody. That doesn't help at all. Um I'm going to, I'm going to give a fart to the entire running game. This is the second consecutive week that the O-line has struggled, particularly with the run game and it's not going to get any easier. So they're going to have to figure it out. You know, I, I know we did a whole episode and I talked about how good this Washington defensive line is and how the front seven is the strength. It doesn't matter. They're going to play good teams. They have to figure it out. They cannot rely on Saquon Barkley. If they have to go three tight end sets to make the running game work, then they should do it. Well, I, I may give them a little bit more of a pass than you will because, again, you don't have St. Quan Barkley this week. But they had You're him dealing... last week. They had him for half a yeah, game but, last week and he wasn't going anywhere. But there was a definite, I think, you could see in, in the game planting from Tampa, they were mission one and two was to stop St. Quan Barkley. I think they game plan specifically for it. I think that's where part of Jones' early success was that there was open passing lanes and, and stuff because I think they overemphasized trying to stop him. That makes sense. Now this week, this week you're dealing with Wayne Gallman. That's quite a a drop. So you know you're going to have to run block even better for you know. I'm not saying he's talentless, but he's definitely a drop in talent from Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So I'm going to get I'm going to kind of pull my nose at that fart a little bit. I'm not sure I'm going to completely go with you, but I see where you're saying they're going to have to improve because. The competition they're going to face on these defensive lines will get a lot better really quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's not even raw talent so much as I think this Washington team is a little bit sucked out. You know what I mean? They're now zero and four. It was pretty clear midway through the game it was trending that way. You know, they're going to go up against teams that may not be as talented, but maybe better coached. You know, may have a healthier rotation may um, be fighting to get in the playoffs. So it, it's not going to get easier. It's just not. So they're going to have to figure something out. And that that's everybody. That's often from head coach down, head coach, offensive coordinator, you know, line coaches, the running backs coaches, and, and the players themselves. They have to figure it out. I want to give one further star. And I don't even know what the numbers were, but just the eye test alone. Evan Ingram. Okay. It just – I'm watching this guy play and I'm thinking 
this guy is a weapon, you know? And again, I'm not going to quantify it with, well, he had six catches for X amount of yards and his yak was this and that. It's just, he's turning another level to be, you know, a, a, a dominant weapon, like the number one weapon on this team right now. And I think there's a little bit of a connection with Jones and him that's been developing. And I'm very curious to see how this could kind of go moving forward. So I'm going to give him a star just for like, seems like he's gone to the next level. Yeah, it, it was definitely an eye test thing because his stats don't jump off the page. But if you watch the game, he jumped no. off the page. However, exactly. exactly. what I will say is to your point on going forward, you know, and, and we'll go over this again uh, this this weekend, but Golden Tate is returning next week. And now you have Cody Latimer who has proven himself to be reliable when called upon. Darius Slayton has stepped up to the plate and become a, a big play I don't want to say big play weapon, but that big play weapon potential. You know, Sterling Shepard is playing out of his mind. He he was an honorable mention for my uh my stars there. Um and, and you know, Evan Ingram is not going to be there's no way you're going to be able to double team all of these guys. And given the matchup nightmare that he is, the moment that he's not double teamed, you better believe that they'll be looking in his direction. We're not going to have the top and talent we did when we had Beckham and when Barkley was healthy, but we definitely have a deeper talent pool than we did back then. So, you know, it, that's going to also help Daniel Jones in his development as well, that you're not throwing to borderline NFL talent. You're throwing to guys who, you know, can be very effective and can be weapons in this league. I'm going to give another fart. And this one is to the referees of this game. Now, I'm not going to say there were unfair calls because I think in both directions there were bad calls, but there were just way too many flags. I mean, this was difficult to watch. I mean, I, some, I'm going I'm to make a blanket statement for you, Grump. Yeah. There are two different types in all sports of calls an official, a referee, an umpire can make. There is quantifiable ones. Was that ball fair or foul? Was his foot inbounds, out of bounds? Did the ball step on the out of bounds line or not? And there's also judgment. And I am all for the use of replay to make sure that those measurable ones are right. The rule is the rule. If your foot's out of bounds, you're out of bounds. Judgment things for me. We have to think about the enjoyment of watching the game. And I said this about baseball, where I think strike zones are being called too tightly now, where too many balls are called and it makes the game boring. I think these judgment calls on holding uh, legal hands, you know, illegal, um, uh, what do they call it when you're going downfield? Not illegal contact? Illegal contact downfield. I think these things are called so tightly that it takes away for just the general enjoyment of the game. I also think it's impossible for a defensive back to even play. Right. So the the, the level of – I mean there are are plays that are now being reviewed in frame by frame to see if he got there first. I mean in live action, it's it's so bang, bang. I mean come on. Frame by frame? Yeah. It is – so hard to watch when we're replaying everything. And this sounds like old man gripes, but this this 
This game in particular, I'm not going to make a blanket statement about the whole year or the trend of the NFL. I, I well, All I'm telling you is that this game, there was a flag on almost every fucking play. And it's yeah. holding. And then they show the replay in the stadium like, really? That's holding? Defensive holding? I mean, barely touched him. I mean, off the top of my head, because I saw it on my timeline from griping Giants fans, but the 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 offensive pass interference on Cody Latimer that erased a 50-yard play was within one yard of the line of scrimmage and was just a bump, just a bump between both players. I mean, that yeah, kind of ridiculous. shit is going to happen. It's football. Well, that's my point. It's like I think when they're judgment-type penalties in whatever sport it should be, should err on the side of – it didn't happen as opposed to it did because it just kills the flow of all these games and it's just not product that makes it enjoyable. I mean, at the end of the day, sports needs to be entertaining. We try that, you know, we're diehard fans and we lose that. But, you know, I have no sympathy for a call that's blown if the ball is fair or foul or he did get his foot in or didn't get his foot in. But when it's purely judgment, and especially you're right, Real-time versus frame-by-frame, frame, you don't have to call every single one to, but because there is no letter of the law because it's everyone's you know, everyone's judgment, judgment and opinion is different. Right. So to me, you know, I know there are more calls this year. The NFL made it a point to be stricter on it. And I think the NFL needs to go the opposite. If something is blatant, if something impacts the play, yes. But little ticky-tack stuff because – you know your def your vision of it matches what what the rule is. I mean, it's it's they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, I had the benefit of watching this game from the stadium, surrounded by people I know and I enjoy. Uh, so these breaks where we're going back and forth with, you know, do you accept the penalty? And now it's first down again. Whatever. I didn't have to suffer through the commercial breaks. So I mean. Hats off to you guys. That that was that was a rough one to sit through. Yeah, and not only that, now the trend now is they put the little, they put this, this the um, the action in a little small screen and put stick a little commercial in for ten seconds. So you're getting bombarded even more when something like that's happening. I mean, one thing that Fox did I thought was pretty disgusting was, I think it was when um, uh, what's in the linebacker was hurt, Conley, and yeah. he was Conley was on the ground and the cart's coming. They put him in a small screen and put a commercial on the sideline. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you that crass? I mean, it's, it's like just, you didn't get enough breaks in this game? You didn't meet yeah. your quota? I know. It's just like either stick with the story on the field or if it's that you know insensitive to show him, just go to a commercial. Yeah. Don't try to you – know, don't be half pregnant. You are or you're not. So. Uh, moving away from old man gripes, I'm going to give a I, – I, I can't give him a full fart, but I got to give a dishonorable mention to Grant Haley. Um, Haley was beaten twice deep down the field on passes that just didn't connect, but mm-hmm. against any other team in this league, they were home run touchdowns. And, um, you know, that, that's got to get cleaned up. It just has to happen. He's um, not a raw rookie out there. You know, he's – he should be one of the, you know – he maybe should be one of the guys fair. helping the younger guys. Yeah, it may be a little fair because he's still pretty young, but he should be one of the leaders out there, and yeah. that shouldn't happen. Well, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Other than that, I, other than that, you know, I really, you know, it was just one of those games where 
it doesn't matter who you're playing. You, you know, you hold a team defensively to what they did. That's saying something after the, uh, you know, the sieve they have been. I think you're seeing, you're going to see on this team offensively and defensively things trending slowly up and then a backtrack. You know, Daniel Jones, you know, maybe it's for the best that he had a game like this where it was progression, but not, you know, Manchu type, you know, superstardom, rock starness. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we want this kid to take out of this year learning how to play the position. So in next year and the year after, he can be ready to command this offense and play. So um, I think I think I think this was well served for the game he played to help in that uh, progression. Um, it's also good to beat rivals and teams you hate. Kick them when they're down. So <laughs> I, I'm not feeling sorry at all for one of the three teams I hate the most in this league. And, uh, you know, just as an FYI, I mean, two and two at this point in the season is what we consider the best case scenario, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially after where the season started. Yeah. We thought this could have been, you know, we, we thought we might be somewhere near that uh, Miami Washington level of bad. This team is not as bad as, you know, the worst teams in the league. In, in fact, after last night, the Giants are now one game out of first place in the NFC East. <laughs> that is true. So we can keep our scoreboard watching into October. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey you is... know something? Nothing motivates players, well, besides their next contract, than winning yeah. and playing for the playoffs. And we could talk about you know, how this year is all about the rebuild and – these guys saying their reps and stuff, it means more when you're actually playing for something. The uh, the message from the coaching staff is a little clearer when you're playing for a purpose. So you're right. This is a best case scenario. The schedule is about to get a lot harder really quick. They got a good Minnesota team coming in. They're playing a great um, New England team on a short turnaround mm-hmm. in Foxborough. Yeah. And you know, they're probably losing these next two games. But you know something, at least for now, you know, the critics can get off their back a little bit. The talking heads get off their back. The people who want to fire get them and can get off their back. And people for once can be a little excited in this franchise and let them develop and without all the the noise and nonsense. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really does. It feels so good to be into the football season this year. I mean, I'm always into the Giants. I'm always watching them. But when they're out of it, I could care less about the rest of the league. It's it's hard for me to get into it. You know, I love football, so I'll watch. But I don't really have my finger on the pulse of what's going on around the league because who fuck cares? You know what I mean? But now, <laughs> now we're we're in a whole different ball game here. So, but we're not we're not that into it. We're really watching an zero and three Bengals and zero and three Steeler game. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> we'd rather tape this show and record it for you guys out there. But, uh, oh, yeah, we will definitely, you know, go back to Sunday Ticket and see, oh, that Philly game is on at 1 o'clock. I'm going to watch that if we're yeah. not on. So, I want to sure. know. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is, this is a new year, and it's, it's certainly looking it. So, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's it for this episode. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at football underscore grump where I am uh, – 
following all of the news as it develops throughout the week for injuries and stuff to let you guys know, retweeting what I see, giving you my thoughts, etc. Oh, Jesus Christ. You can find me at the Cranky Fan where this week my head might literally explode. Um, I'm here in Oregon. I am flying Wednesday morning to San Francisco for the American League wildcard game with my Tampa Bay Rays against Oakland. I have a red-eye flight after the game back to New York. We were recording you know, the show Thursday night to be uh, in your phones on Friday. And then I fly down to Gainesville for a top 10 Florida-Auburn battle. And I don't know when I'm coming home based upon the playoffs. So the moral of that whole story, if you're still awake, is that I have a lot to say on Twitter right now. And I want to talk to everybody about everything. So catch me at, at the Cranky Fan. We can talk about everything that's going on because this is this the crazy time of year. And oh, yes, my New York City FC soccer club just finished first in the Eastern Conference. That's another round of playoffs I have to deal with, too. So I will try to get plenty of sleep, drink plenty of water eat meals when I can, change my clothes when I can. But uh, we will be here definitely with this podcast to uh, keep you all entertained. That's right. And this podcast can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud. I think that's all of them. But, uh, you know, also has its own Twitter, at JustGiantsPod. Yeah, or you know, just go to SoundCloud. That's where we're based out of if you need to listen to it there. But hey, you listening to this show, you listen to podcasts. You get them from somewhere. I don't know where you get them particularly, but wherever you do, type in search Just Giants Podcast. We're going to pop up our two ugly mugs drinking some nice Jamesons at the Jameson Room where um, hopefully we'll be drinking and get ready for another win on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Actually, hopefully I will not be there. I will be down in St. Pete for a playoff game, and I'll be uh, watching at a bar. That would be the best-case scenario. But if not, I will be at the Jameson Room with my cohort, the Grump, as we uh, watch Giant football. That's right. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.